Welcome to Loop Me In, the podcast community for parents and carers on raising children with disabilities. Join presenters Dr. Lisa Interligi and Christine Christopoulos and their guests on sharing experiences, information, and support ideas to help children with disabilities flourish. Loop Me In is brought to you weekly on platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher, to name a few. You can learn more, connect with the Loop Me In community, and listen to more episodes on our website, loop-me-in.com.au. Hi everyone, I'm Heidi and I'm excited today to be joining the Loop Me In podcast as today's guest host, talking about what it's like to be a sibling and a sibling when your sibling has a disability. I am also joined by two very special um, guests, which is Remy and Marilena. They are the son and daughter of Loop Me In hosts, Lisa and Chris. And I understand that Remy uh, and Marilena, your brothers are best friends, is that right? That's true. Yes, they are. And they're hanging out today. So we can, um, yeah, it's always happening. They're always together. What, what are they doing? Do you know? I'm not too sure, Marilena. Do you know? I'm not sure. They're with another friend. I think they're going to the park maybe. Yeah, we'll see. Okay. So um, probably start by getting you both to introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about who you are and a little bit about your siblings. So, yeah, uh, look, I'm Remy. Um, I'm the eldest son of Lisa and um, I'm Louis' oldest, older brother. Um, uh, I'm 23 and Louis' 21. Um, Louis has uh, autism. And, um, yeah, I'm still at home living with my family, so I still get to interact and, you know, live with Louis and, um, every day and, we're, you know, we're really close. So I'm really keen to have a chat about um, him and our relationship today. Thanks, Remy. Marilena? So I'm also 23, very similar to Remy, and I am Christine, the one of the hosts, her um, daughter, and I'm a speech pathologist. And Matthew, my brother, is 21 and he has an intellectual disability and he was actually recently diagnosed with a syndrome called Milan syndrome about two years ago. And... Yeah, I also live at home still with the family and I also have another younger sister, Annalise, and she's 16. So it's the five of us at home here, which can be a bit crazy, but it's fun. <laughs> Thank you. I, um, I'll probably just introduce the context as well. So my brother, Ryan, he is 32. He has a moderate intellectual disability and autism. Um, and we're at a different stage. So Ryan now lives in an independent, uh, supported living uh, situation with Life Without Barriers. Um, and yeah, we're we're at a different stage, but I'm sure we're going to get into some of that some of that conversation today. So Remy, you touched on um, your re- relationship there with with Louis. Why don't we we start with you know what, what what's your relationship like? Yeah. So look, we're we're very close, um, and. That's um, probably chiefly by virtue of, you know, we get to see each other every day um, and we have the same routine of chatting um, every day. So we wake up and, and see each other in the morning, especially, you know, working from home during um, during the COVID lockdowns, that sort of thing. And, um, yeah, we chat often um, throughout the day and it's, you know, um, due to his, you know, autism, it's, it's very much um, 
sort of routine based chats, um, things that he needs to sort of tick off in his head to to make his routine throughout the day. So it's not always the most, you know, um, intellectual conversations, but, you know, having a chat about what he did that day and um, what he had for lunch and those are sort of conversations that we have every day. And yeah, look, we're, we're quite close in that sense. So um, I know that when I'm, when I'm not home, he's always sort of asking where I am. So um, yeah, we, look, we are close, um, even though it's not your typical sort of um, brother or sibling relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's so funny. So much of that I feel is very similar to Matthew. Um, yeah. In the way that it's, he needs that same routine base and he can be quite repetitive. So it's really funny hearing um, hearing that and I just felt like I could relate to almost every point. <laughs> but I guess with my relationship with Matthew, um, we are very close as well and um, I guess there are some, sometimes we're not as close and I'm working at, the, at a hospital at the moment so I don't see him too much during the day but we both just, love music and dancing and that's probably the one thing we love doing together and no one quite enjoys my singing or dancing probably as much as he does so that's (laughs) nice like he can have a laugh at me and um he thinks it's hilarious when I Matthew's obsessed with movies so I can quote almost all of his like favorite movies now so he thinks it's hilarious when I just quote his favorite lines so I guess that's kind of how we communicate by a lot of singing, dancing, movies, and also him asking me, you know, what are you, what are you doing? Where what are you doing on the weekend? He has his set phrases, and I don't know how much he really understands. Sometimes when I say work, he sometimes just thinks it's our family business that that's work to him, so he doesn't quite get it. But yeah, we have that kind of very similar conversation every day. Um, yeah which is really nice but as yeah Remy said it's very different to probably a traditional sibling relationship but yeah it's really special. And I I understand Remy that Louis loves movies as well yeah. Yeah very much so he um, one of his um, and loves movie trailers so and if he hears (laughs) there's a sniff of a movie coming out it's we're straight onto YouTube and I'm on his iPad, you know, typing up when's the new the new Spider-Man trailer coming out, and, mm-hmm. and um, loves uh, reenacting movie scenes on um, with with figurines. So that's his favourite um, pastime, and it, it makes for some funny comments when you can sort of hear him from his bedroom and um, some of the superhero chats. Chats quite um, it's quite hilarious. So no, that's definitely uh, definitely an interest of his too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they love going to the movies together. They go to gold class every month. A little very lush. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> love it. Um, so I was doing some research in, in prep, prepping for this. This is my, you know my first uh, time hosting a podcast, so I was being very diligent and doing some research. And I was reading that according to research, we as siblings uh, of of a sibling with a disability are more caring, kind, sensitive, tolerant, mature, empathetic and or independent. So just putting a plug out there for us. Um, Do you relate to any of that? Do you think that having a a brother with a disability has influenced you in any way? I think it definitely has had a big influence and, yeah, those are all very lovely words. So (laughs) uh, it is nice to hear. I think the ones that probably stick out the most to me are 
I do think I'm quite an empathetic person and that definitely probably comes from being with Matthew and growing up with him and really um, just having a very open mind, I guess, with um, with all people and an understanding about we don't know what everyone's going through and I think it's it's it can be really challenging at times at, at home. So just an understanding that everyone's life can be very complicated and you really don't know what's going on sometimes. So empathetic and I feel like it has made me a more patient person as well. <laughs> I don't know if they were that was one of the words on that list um but yeah I think there are two things that resonate with me what about you Remy yeah I'm I'm very much the same I I don't really have much too much to add um I um probably a bit difficult for me to you know talk myself up a bit but yeah I do feel um I do feel like I'm a patient person um and, you know, you work out pretty quickly growing up that you're not going to get all the attention um, and, that, you know, if you want your parents' attention, you have to wait for it. Um, and I know that probably before Louis was born, I used to make, make a habit. My mum always tells me that I used to say, you know, me first, me first. I, I need everything first. And I, I think that you learn quite quickly that that's not going to be the case. So I think you need to, um, you know, you do develop that patience and an understanding that it doesn't always go your way um, as well. And then, um, yeah, definitely empathy um, and not just towards, um, um, you know, sort of people with disabilities or that sort of thing. I think you be, you, you get an appreciation for disadvantage and, um, and you know, you can sort of um, ident- not identify with it, not, not in yourself, but what your own, you know, what your siblings' challenges have gone through, so you've been through. So, um, yeah, definitely empathy and patience are definitely two that I, um, I feel like I have... Um, I have um, worked on through through growing up with Louis. Yeah, no, I think it definitely definitely impacts and influences um, both from a personality, but even even professionally. I know for me, I'm very passionate about social inclusion, and even Marilena's speech um, pathology pathway that you've taken. Do you think that was influenced by Matthew? Yeah, hundred percent. And I think um, I guess growing up with Matthew and us only being a few years apart I you know just remember growing up going to all of his therapist appointments with him and with mum so speech therapy and physio and OT and psych and all of that so it just was I guess a part of my life in a way and I was so exposed to that um, all of those health um, professions and disciplines so I guess I was really passionate about communication in general because I guess that's one of Matthew's big impairments is uh his ability to communicate effectively so it was yeah I was really I guess inspired by him and I guess wanting to learn more about it for myself even just to know I think a part of me wanted to learn more about how I could help Matthew in a way but also how I could help other people in that way so definitely inspired me to do speech pathology for Matthew definitely yeah (laughs) And do you find you bring that home sometimes now, now that you're actually professionally skilled and you've got that experience, do you help with Matthew at home in, in a different way or are you still playing, you know, typical sibling sibling role? Yeah, not as much as I thought I probably would. And I think when I was studying speech pathology, I thought, why not, you know, I thought I was going to have all these really helpful tips and tricks about how I could be more helpful in the home. But I realised it's, you can't, I guess, be a therapist when you're at home being a sibling. And I have to, I did, I think, have to just learn I'm still a silly sibling and I can't 
discipline him and have reinforcement strategies and try to, uh, you know, I think I can help give some ideas and facilitate some things, but at the same time it's it's just not my role. So, you know, and he has his other professionals that can help him with that. So it's definitely helpful in a way, but also, yeah, it's more important for me to keep that relationship with him as just a normal sibling relationship. So, yeah. So that probably leads me to a question. Uh, again, um, some survey done by Siblings Australia spoke about the most common impacts or the reactions that we can sometimes play as siblings. So a lot of the time siblings can act as the parent and can start to take that role. So I think it's really nice that you've maintained your role as a sibling. Others tend to act out. They may experience uh, anxiety or they tend to be the good child. So um, for me, I could really resonate with the good child, so wanting to kind of just do the right thing, kind of fly under the radar, not cause any problems um, at home. But I'm just really keen to hear, did either of you kind of play play different roles as, you know, either now or as you've grown up that you can relate to? Yeah, Heidi, I, I feel I feel the same way. I, I did sort of want to take the role as maybe the good child growing up and didn't want to act out as much. And I think I had quite a fear of sort of letting down my parents and um, I think you always sort of, whether it was conscious or not at the time, I think they always sort of had their hands full and had, you know, more, um, you know, better things to sort of to sort of worry about um, in terms of Louis and I think that um, this definitely wasn't conscious thought but I always um, sort of believed that I didn't, I wanted to fly under the radar and um, not cause too much of a fuss and, and that was even with, you know, things as little as, you know, having birthday parties or that sort of thing. I, that was, this might be partly my personality anyway, but I, I didn't really feel as if that, you know, you ever wanted to sort of cause them much trouble in, in any sense, whether that was acting out or just um, making a fuss over yourself. So I think that um, it did sort of impact um, what role I sort of, I sort of had growing up. Um, and I did also sort of take, I, th- I hope I took a good child. Uh, <laughs> so no acting out stories then for you, Remy. Oh, my mum and dad might say <laughs> might uh, say differently, but I think I was I was okay. No. All right, yeah. well, well, we'll leave that for another episode. We'll check that I'm out. After, yeah. What, what about you, Marilena? No, very similar. And I think um, just as you were saying that, Remy, I just with how much you consciously think about those kinds of things, I think it really changes throughout. Um, even, I guess, as I was younger, having Matthew as my sibling, you kind of just almost don't it, you don't feel like it has a direct noticeable impact on yourself and you just kind of roll with it because that's normal and that's what you're used to and you don't I don't know I never felt like I really noticed in primary school too much I noticed I knew that Matthew was different but it, I didn't I guess acknowledge or think that there was you know a very direct con impact of in my life because he was just my brother and it probably was it was definitely probably underlying yeah me realize underlying things like me trying to just do the right thing but yeah you probably just don't notice that till you get a bit old and you realize how much yeah how much those kinds of things influence you and yeah reading a bit more into it you're like oh that does make sense I did do that um but yeah I guess transitioning then from to high school and starting a new school with new friends and um, I guess it's already a vulnerable time for anyone and that feeling of acceptance, you know, with a new friendship group and then you've got Matthew at home. 
so I guess that's when you notice okay it is a bit trickier now um you know that that and that difference I guess when you're younger the gap seems a lot less a lot less whereas when you're older and you start going to school and learning and studying and um, going to parties and Matthew's not doing those things you I guess you just notice that difference a lot more um but yeah and I think it's just really important yeah that whole transition with friendship groups and yeah having people over I guess it comes with new challenges as you get a bit older as a sibling I find so how did you find you navigated that situation, Marilena? So different friends, new friends, um, and Remy, you touched on this as well in terms of, you know, not necessarily having a lot of parties or doing anything kind of crazy and wild at home. Um, you know, what? how has that played out with kind of social interactions and how have you both navigated that? Um, I think for me, sorry, Remy. No, go for it. Um, Mum has always been really big on making us go to see um, a psychologist that Matthew also, I guess it's our family psychologist, to talk through and navigate those kinds of things, um, which at the time I didn't see the, the value, I think, and thought, why are we doing this? I don't get it. This is just like, like, yeah, I know that Matthew's different and that's just life. There's nothing we can do about it. You know, let's just accept it and move on. Um, but I think going to her actually really helped with having those conversations and, yes, acknowledging that there are some things that we can't change but also navigating how we can make things a little bit easier and what what conversations to have and maybe putting Matthew, like the first time a friend's over and you're still building that friendship, maybe Matthew can go to the park that day and just it can just be about you and meeting the other family members and then slowly, you know, just having Matthew there and maybe talking about it before and then him just being, I guess, immersed in my friendship group was always really important to me and all my friends absolutely adore and accept Matthew and that's a big, and which I'm so grateful for, but they probably, yeah, they just wouldn't, I guess, be in my life if they weren't like that as well because Matthew's a big part of my life. So I think, yeah, definitely having some professional help I think was really helpful for me to just support those kinds of things and also, I guess, to just look after myself and my own mental health and, you know, acknowledging that there's other challenges as being a teenager and also having Matthew comes with added complexities. So I thought found that really helpful personally. Yeah, I've probably got a, a, a bit of a different, um, uh, probably a bit of a different story um, on, you know, uh, social um, interactions with my friends and, and Louis. I um, I was quite fortunate growing up that this was never really a thought of mine to ever, you know, consider um, or tiptoe around um, having people over or or um, that's, you know, it would never really cross my, my mind. Um, and I think that's, you know, purely down to, you know, how great my parents were with being able to support me and, you know, encourage me to, both mum and dad were super encouraging to bring people over and that was never sort of, um, that was never an issue and it, it never they, they never saw it as an issue um, and it never that sort of never filtered down to me as an issue. So um, having said that, though, growing up, I probably didn't have groups of people over um, that had a bit to do probably just with my other, my grandmother lives with us as well and it was always sort of hard to have in the house, you know, have many people in the home or anything like that. So that never really was an issue for me either and, and that wasn't because of, because of Louis. Um, 
Having said that, though, I do feel more comfortable uh, perhaps bringing people over and having people interact with Louis as he's as he's grown older. Um, when he was younger, I think he was a bit more unpredictable, particularly when I was in in school. And um, while I wasn't sort of scared that he would act out on any of my my friends or, or do anything um, that would embarrass me, that wasn't really it didn't really cross my mind. But I just feel as if I, the home is more. Um, maybe more accessible for my friends. Like I feel more comfortable just in general having people over as I've grown older um, and Louis has got older. So um, no, it was never really a huge issue for me growing up. And I think that's a real credit to my, to my parents um, who, are, who are fantastic with, with my social life. And I think it is about who you have as your friendship group, right? Like when you have got really amazing friends, they see your brother uh, or your sibling as the person that they are. They don't see, necessarily see the disability and it's not an issue. So, you know, being surrounded by really important people is is is, is part of your network and part of, yeah. part of, yeah. For sure. And I guess also acknowledging that um, for someone that hasn't had someone with a disability in their life, it can sometimes be a bit... Um, uncomfortable and you're just working them out and what they how they react and you don't know I guess it can be sometimes yeah confronting and Matthew can go you know if he if it's a sunny day and he wants to go in the pool his way to communicate that is knowing okay when you have bathers you're that's when yeah that's like yep we're going to the pool so he might accidentally grab someone's like kind of boob area to be like do you have your bikinis on underneath to try and work out whether it's a pool day and of course that can be a bit confronting so and Matthew can be a bit unpredictable sometimes so learning you know I guess acknowledging that you know it's just building that relationship as well with friends and they've got to get used to him as well and understand what they can also say to say no Matt that you can just tell him no that's not okay we can't do that but um yeah, it's just managing those kinds of relationships and friendships. But and yeah, I think similarly to Remy, I'm lucky that mum and dad have always been, yeah, very, you know, wanting me to have friends over. And I do love hosting and having parties at mine. So, you know, and Matthew's usually here. So it's just been a, you know, they've been help very helpful to help facilitate that and yeah whatever I'm kind of comfortable with and what he's comfortable with too because once he does see a party, he thinks he's staying. So working out what's <laughs> for everyone, um, yeah, it can be tricky because <laughs> Matthew so, likes the party. So what is what is home life like? Obviously um, it's been a long time uh, since I've lived at home. Um, I'm a little bit older than both of you but you're both still obviously at home. Um, but I definitely uh, recall it being at times very chaotic, unpredictable, um, and at times, you know, hilarious and, and, and lots of crazy stuff happening. But what's 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 life like at home? Mm. <laughs> I um, I, it's funny. Growing up, our our home was very chaotic. I would think there's a lot of my family's just naturally loud. Um, got an Italian father who can he can be loud. You know, just put it, placing a glass of water down or something <laughs> like that. It's it's a very just a naturally loud household. And Louis quite loud. He loves um singing um and jumping around and so I think there's chaos still there but the one thing that Louis sort of um sort of implemented in his own way into the house is real routine so I think that we all sort of conform around his routine as well and what's happened is that that 
reduces the chaos. Um, so now that he's become more, I mean, probably less pre- uh, unpredictable and, you know, more predictable with his actions and his behaviours and those routines are really set in stone, I would say probably quite the contrary. I don't think we're very very chaotic household anymore. We sort of, you know, day-to-day is pretty um, stock standard and expected, um, which is really nice because I think that it, it does um, ease in the burden on, on my parents. However, there is some, sort, you know, obviously some stresses that um, aren't, you, you know, your sort of typical household um, stresses um, and, you know, that, that's still ongoing. So um, in some ways not, not as chaotic, but it is still, you know, it can be a stressful environment at home. Yeah, sounds like structured, structured chaos. Structured okay. chaos, that's it. <laughs> And I think especially with this, all these lockdowns in Melbourne, um, it has been a really hard time with all, I guess, a lot of kids with and people with disabilities because they rely so much on that structure and that routine and that's completely gone out the window. Um, so that was, I guess, a bit of quite a challenging time for Matthew and in part that means all of us because he lives with us all and if he's about having a bad day, sometimes it can affect us all Um, because he'll let us know about it um so yeah it's really it's it's can be hard and he does he when he wants something I guess and I guess that we've acknowledged now we and we understand as we understand him more and more and how he works and we acknowledge okay he needs that routine and that's what helps him um, manage his own anxiety and how to get through his day so he knows what's going on because of that communication breakdown he I guess has Um, And then, yeah, with just lockdown, that's just, it's so hard to explain to anyone why we're locked down and it's such a crazy time. So then, to you know, obviously Matthew can't understand what, you know, why is, you know, Matthew goes to JB Hi-Fi every Saturday and Sunday morning to buy a DVD and that's just what he loves to do and it's the routine. So for him not having that it was just like his whole world was thrown <laughs> and, you know, just why is JB Hi-Fi not open? And we're like, it's closed. And I think he almost thinks we're lying to him and that's, I guess, what can be tricky and him not being able to understand, no, we're not lying to you and, you know, we're on your side too. And um, so, yeah, a bit chaotic during lockdown time, but I think just, you know, having things like visual schedules and getting some of those um, therapist back to helping like how can we readjust him back to manage his own anxiety and help him has been helpful to just redirect okay and I guess it's just about knowing okay we need you know with people like Matthew and Louis who rely so much in on routine you just need to work out facilitate what they need um, to make the household a more easier place for everyone um, so it is a lot of adjusting sometimes to what Matthew needs because sometimes there is no option and you're like, okay, we're just <laughs> we're going to have to do what Matthew wants for the sake of everyone, um, which can be annoying. But that's, I guess, how it works sometimes. And I guess just learning and trying out, it's like it's a lot of trial and error sometimes working out what's going to work, especially when studying. I remember for uni or um, exams at school, if Matthew was having a bad day, it, yeah was hard to manage but how how are we gonna you know um work him out so I could do you know finish that exam in peace upstairs in my room during yeah uni times so yeah definitely 
can be chaotic and noticing that's just life and then working out also how we can minimize it as much as possible but also just accepting it at at times (laughs) yeah I must say the routine similar for Ryan um I guess with Ryan's autism structure and routine is is so important and he's been going to a room our day programs you know for as long as you know he feels like he can remember and so being in lockdown and not being able to see his friends and not understanding why he can't leave and why he can't do his normal structured routine has been hugely challenging but um yeah skyping with him this morning he tells me that lockdown is over and uh he's, he's back at day program so fingers crossed uh yeah. this is this is this is the end because it has absolutely been very challenging mm. i mean it's challenging for all of us and especially them i can't imagine yeah, it w- would have been very hard <laughs> not having, not being able to see their friends and, yeah, having those, it's really, it's really tricky. I, I think it's quite interesting, the, the differences um, perhaps in their behaviours because Louis, I feel, has adjusted quite well and I think that he's a, generally speaking, is a quite easygoing um, sort of laid back, um, that's his personality. And while he sticks really strong to his routines and he can get upset about his routines, you know, being sort of uprooted in this way, if with if he has warning and he gets his head around it um after you know some some days he really is um what i've been really impressed with especially recently is his flexibility and he really enjoys you know um being on ipads at home and and you know not go, not going out as much and he can, he can adjust and um that's i've been really impressed by that and i think that also it sort of demonstrates how um you know, you can get different behaviours. Even if there is that routine, there is different personalities that can sort of shine through in that way. Yeah. and uh, Yeah, every, I mean, every kid with, I guess we're only saying experiences from three different perspectives, but I guess also acknowledging that every kid with a disability and or every person, I always say kid because I work, used to work with lots of kids with disabilities, <laughs> but every person with a disability is so different. And like that expression, if you met if you meet one person with autism, then you've met one person with autism. I always mm. think about that saying because it really is so different. And whilst there are a lot of similarities with routine and structure and, you know, a lot of things are quite similar, they are still completely different people. So also acknowledging that, yeah, everyone's experience is really different. And we can't underestimate their, you know, capacity to learn and change and, yeah, be incredibly resilient. I wanted to talk about parents. Um, so I'm obviously now I'm a mum of two children and I think having been a mum and, and reflecting on now what it must have been like for my mum and or parents growing up um, with a child with a disability, as you both now are kind of adults and, you know, probably planning your futures, um, have you thought you know, have you reflected on your relationship with your parents or have you reflected on what their role has been or how challenging it may have been um, for them? Yeah, certainly. I feel probably not reflecting on my relationship with them as much as how I've grown to have certainly have an appreciation for, you know, everything they've done for the family and and specifically the, the hardships they went through with Louis, um, particularly when he was quite young. Um and the different roles that they take, like my dad's an unbelievable support system for Louis, like daily support system and was very much so when my mum, my mum worked in Sydney for quite a few years and would, would be gone all week. And just the slack that my dad was able to pick up, you know, during that period was was remarkable. And then my mum 
uh, you know, when particularly when I was growing up, she she was doing her doctorate, and um, to be able to really support Louis and and and, and doing those things growing up, I, I I never appreciated that when I was younger because you know you're sort of always thinking about yourself and you know your own life. It's just natural teenage, um, and it's just that that's what it is growing up. But um, oh, certainly now when I when I can look back on it and see how far Louis come, I, I do think that. Um, uh, yeah, I do. I definitely feel a, a newfound sort of appreciation for them um, um, in, in the last couple of years, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, quite similarly. And I think during lockdown, it's been a lot of time of reflection <laughs> and looking back on. I guess I've something I've been doing is just looking back on past um, photos and memories and just really reflecting on everything. Um, and seeing, I guess, everything we have done with Matthew and how he's, you know, we've had such a great upbringing to, all together and um, mum and dad have done an amazing job and, like, trying to keep our lives as well as normal, um, I guess, as possible so to not m- limit anything for us or limit any opportunities and making sure that, you know, you know, still going on those traditional family holidays and whilst they've looked a bit different and definitely have been challenging sometimes with Matthew and, um, you know, they've had Matthew having a tantrum at like um, Dubai airport or something. And, but we've still, you know, they've really made an effort to, I guess, make everything, you know, for us to still do everything and for us to still have that really good family connection. And whilst things look different at times, it's still, yeah, they've been amazing at just, I guess, I don't know, yeah, I probably didn't realise how much extra work it has probably taken them and just acknowledged it. Um, yeah, they've been amazing. So, and it, it's, I guess it's really nice them doing something like this as well and them, you know, they've got so much knowledge and, yeah, they're both quite amazing, our mums, I think, Remy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and I should also mention, I, I do want to say that, it's not. I also have a sort of appreciation for you know it's a, that that it's a whole family effort, um, mm-hmm. and, and you know some people aren't afforded those opportunities to have um, you know a support system of a family. But I know my family was quite lucky with my my grandmother who who came to live with us about ten years ago and, and was really strong support for my parents and allowed my mum to sort of um, you know continue working and and my dad to continue working um, full time as well. And I think that. We have, you know, extended family, um, you know, aunties and cousins that are really sort of um, strong social um, and support for, for Louis as well. So, and to, to support the rest of the family as well, yeah. to encourage them to continue their endeavours and, and, um, and, and you know, despite having the challenges of, of growing up with, um, you know, caring for, for someone with special needs. So, um, I do appreciate that it's also, you know, a, a whole family effort and, and I'd certainly appreciate that in the last few years as well. Yeah, for sure. It's a village, that. isn't it? The village yeah. that your mum speaks of. It takes a village to uh, to support. Yeah, it does. I know that Matthew, when mum and dad do just get a bit sick of Matthew's repetition, we will just ring the grandparents and have him there on his on loudspeaker, just having those conversations, and we go down the list of family members, so he can. We kind of yeah. So that yeah, it really is. There's a, such a massive support system, and just acknowledging. I guess 
you know, there are a lot of social groups and other people and even talking to, I guess, you two as well. It's really nice to talk to people in similar experiences, but also people are also quite empathetic and understanding and, um, yeah. Yeah, I must say, um, Remy, your mum, Lisa, who I worked with for many years, she was a huge um, support for me, I think, with my brother and just having someone else to to bounce things off or just somebody that understands, you know, what some of those kind of crazy and funny stories and circumstances are um, and being able to kind of share them with her. So one thing that has um, happened for me is obviously I'm now kind of a carer and guardian and formal, I guess, advocate for my brother in a, in a different capacity, having not have, having our parents around. Um, and as siblings, we're going to hold, you know, the longest relationship with, with our brothers than anyone else. Um, have you both thought about what the future might look like? I, I think about it a lot. Um, and it, it is a bit of a source of anxiety. I think that um, this uncertainty as to your future and, um, you know, I've sort of gone through life without having the responsibility, really the, at all any carer, true carer responsibilities for, for Louis. And I think that um, I think that not having my parents around is certainly a sense of, uh, you know, um, it's a source of anxiety for for me and, and what's, what it's going to look like, but it also is a motivator. I think that it's really important that you need to, um, it, it says to me that I need to, in the next sort of 10 years before before the responsibility might fall on me, um, as my parents get older, that I need to, you know, sort of live my life and and, and travel and, you know, earn money and, and be able to support him when, when I need to. So um, I definitely think about it a lot and it's a, I think it's a real motivator for what you what you need to do over the next 10 years, um, you know, also until until that responsibility does truly fall on you. Mm. Yeah, it is something that does, um, yeah, I guess that does make me a bit anxious thinking about and knowing I know how much mum and dad also, I guess, sacrifice in their day-to-day life and, um, you know, to try and, to look after Matthew because he is quite dependent with he, all of his activities, I guess, with his of daily living and um, knowing that I that responsibility and I want it to be as well because I, I know I'll, you know, no one will look after Matthew as much as, a, I guess, a family member and know him as well as we do. So I, I guess it does make me feel a bit anxious and I think it is really good to have these kind you know not to pretend it's never going to happen because it is the inevitable so we're having open conversations with mum and dad now about that and almost future planning as much as it's not a fun topic of conversation I think it would be a lot scarier um yeah having it almost when it it's a bit closer so having I don't know we, we don't really speak about it that often, but I think just having a bit of a plan would be good to know, yeah, what will happen, what will it look like. And, yeah, in terms of the travelling and having my own independence and my own family and where Matthew would fit into that um, as well. So There is a tremendous amount of support out yeah. there, though, when you do get to that point. I don't think... Growing up as a sibling, I don't think there's a huge amount of support. Like you, you hear a lot of support for parents, you hear a lot of support for the child that has a disability. There's not necessarily a lot as the sibling, but certainly having now stepped into that kind of carer and guardian role in the in this capacity, which is kind of a, a weird 
space to be now. Um, there is so much support. He has an amazing uh, team around Ryan with Life Without Barriers, which he's, you know, adamant about his independent living and he has an amazing coordinator of supports and we have psychologists and behavioural therapists and we have speech th- th- therapists. And it is literally a village of carers and support that I'm really thankful for that surround me to help me navigate this. Um, but it's also great to, yeah, have other people that are in carers or other parents that, you know, I guess now the Loopman community is trying to connect to that you can, you know, maybe get advice from. And, of course, you know, I'm always here for you both when that time comes in the future. Um, but, yeah, there's there's a lot. So don't, you know, please don't feel anxious about it. They'll, you know, that it, it, it's, it'll happen when it happens. But, you know, there's there's a lot of support for you. Yeah, no, thank you. And that's really, I guess, good to hear. And I know that those kind of supports and places are out there. And, and I'm sure Matthew would want to, yeah, be living with his friends, with probably Louis and, yeah. <laughs> um, so working out is, I guess, what what's best for him. Um, yeah. I think, yeah, I think Louis might give me the flick soon. He might be, he might be <laughs> yeah. have to go with Matthew. So, yeah, maybe, it, maybe it's more of a challenge of him wanting to be around me that I need to deal with. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think Ryan definitely got to an age um, where he was just so driven about his independence. You know, it was all about being independent and, you know, he's he's done that transition amazing to doing things that I never imagined he could do, you know, and I underestimated his capacity but he was able to, you know, he lives in a, in a villa on his own. Of course, he's in, you know, supported um, facility and he has 24-hour care but, he cooks and, you know, he goes and does his shopping and he does his cleaning and he washes his clothes and, you know, he has to do everything that everyone else everyone else has to do and, um, I mean, he loves it. He loves it and he's completely supported to do it. So you don't know, Remy, he may, he may ditch you for Matthew. It may, may, be, may be the case. Yeah, look, hopefully, hopefully not for a few more years. <laughs> so i probably just close um, on... Yeah, well, I mean, we've spoken about a lot and gone in a lot of different directions, but what is it that you love most about your, your brothers and, you know, what would you want to close on? Um, for, for me, I have really appreciated um, in the last few years, especially um, seeing Louis' personality and we we truly do get along really, really well. Um, he, uh, when, when he was younger, he sort of had... Um, it just he was just a very anxious person and he was sort of just working out and I think he was just navigating his own you know he was growing up and um now that it, I can start to see that he, he's got a really strong personality I love I love interacting with him um you know he loves slapstick humor he's loves music um I know I can make him laugh and I you know I I love, you know, roughing him up like an older brother would and, you know, being physical with him and he enjoy, he loves that. And I really enjoy those sorts of interactions where I can truly see his personality and make him laugh because I think that um, he certainly made us laugh over the years and, and I really appreciate now that I can sort of get laughs out of him and I know and, and we can and we can joke together like in that sense. So that's something that I really appreciate with Louis at the moment and it's really rewarding um, for me to have to have him. Yeah, that's really nice. I think, um, yeah, what I love most about Matthew, he's he's a very happy person um, most of the time and he's he has a lot of love to give and he's very social and I guess he just loves the little things in life, um, which is very grounding as well and, you know, 
it yeah can just take that one song or um yeah me singing a silly song to him and he just gets so excited and happy and it's just really nice to see and I know that as soon as I talk to him or make that joke he he'll find it hilarious so that's something really special um that yeah I love doing with him and yeah having that shared interest in music and dancing is really it's really lovely and sounds like he's your biggest fan yeah (laughs) (laughs) Ryan absolutely loves music music as well and he can recall any band any year it was made um so he's a huge huge music um fan and I think shares a similar very dry sense of humor um and it is quite funny we we share quite a yeah a dry sense of humor and he um yeah he does certainly make me laugh but um, look, I think it's been an amazing conversation um, and I thank you both very much and, um, yeah, I've had the pleasure of hosting it and, um, yeah, hopefully it's it's informative um, and interesting for other siblings to listen to and or parents. Uh, thank you very much for having us and, yeah, I really appreciated the chat. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Thanks for being part of the Loop Me In community today and joining our conversation on raising children with disabilities. Join us for the next episode on some of your favorite platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcast. If you would like to support us, please recommend the Loop Me In podcast to your network of parents, carers, and providers. If you would like us to cover a topic or invite a guest to chat, please email us at contact at loop-me-in.com.au or go to our website at loop-me-in.com.au. If you've got any feedback, please let us know so we can improve and cover issues you want. And of course, if anything in the podcast today has raised concerns for you, you can contact Beyond Blue on 1300 4636 or Lifeline on 13 111 4.